On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, sticks and stones may break my bones, but letters will never hurt me. It's another Cabot Cove episode, and it's Harry Pierce's last episode. Lots of crazy things are happening in Cabot Cove in this episode. Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast, where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about season two. Episode 10, Sticks and Stones, air date December 15th, 1985. I'm your host, Donald Craig II, but I like to be called DJ Craig. As always, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the episode, the murder of the suspects, everything in between. You cannot do a murder show podcast without doing that. So... This episode should have recently aired on Hallmark Channel, so if you've seen it, good for you. If you have not, then and you recorded it on your DVR or something, you can go and watch it and come back and listen to me or do whatever you do with podcasts. Um, if you haven't recently seen this on Hallmark Channel and if you don't have Hallmark Channel because it would be on Hallmark Mysteries and Movies and I noticed they started at the beginning again, um, have no fear. You can watch the episode for free. All 12 seasons are currently streaming on NBC's Peacock app, as well as all 12 seasons are currently streaming on the Roku channel, along with the four TV movies that preceded Murder, She Wrote, when it ended in 1996. And if you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season two disc set, insert disc three into your DVD player, and this is the second episode on that disc. I got a lot to say about this episode, guys. I have lots to say. Um, happy belated Father Day, Father's Day to everyone. I'm so sorry that I did not say that in my last episode. I recorded it like several days before Father's Day and, and did not realize that Father's Day was that weekend. And it was kind of a hard day because, like I said um, in previous episodes, my father passed away on April 2nd of this year, and he's only been gone for three months now, and I still got him a Father's Day card, even though I can't send it, um, and I got him a balloon, and I sent it up to heaven. Um, I did that, and it said, Dad, you're the greatest, or you're something something along those lines. So, So I'm sorry because I didn't realize that it was that close when I recorded the episode. So I hope everyone had a wonderful Father's Day, safe and wonderful Father's Day. And whether you are a mother who had to be both mother and father to your children, whether you're a father who had to be both father and mother, whether you are adopted father, whatever kind of father you are, I commend you and respect you for doing whatever it is you could to make your children's lives better. And I hope everyone had a wonderful, wonderful and safe Father's Day. I did. I have a lot to say about this episode. Um, and I realize, I realize now um, where I am in season two 
is almost exactly where I was when um, my computer crashed and I had to start all over and start doing it here on the Anchor app, which I enjoy so much. Um, because we're about to have like a series of episodes that feature in some way, shape, or form a husband and or wife trying to kill their spouses. Yeah, there's going to be a theme of that. In this episode, there's not a theme of that. But in the next episode onward, Murder Digs Deep is the next one. We're going to have that. And I, I have a lot to say about the next episode, too. But in this one, I noticed I noticed a lot that I didn't notice the first time that I watched this. And this is the first time in a long time I've watched this episode. And it's kind of a, like a letdown after Jessica Behind Bars. It's like, this is the third Cabot Cove episode. The first was Joshua Peabody died here, possibly. The second was Lady in the Lake. And this is now the third. Um, Amos is very nice in this episode. He is very nice in this episode. Unlike in Lady in the Lake, where he's like, well, it's because I blew your theory right out the water. In this episode, he's really, really nice. So again, I guess they did not develop um, Amos' personality very well yet between seasons one and two. I'm not entirely sure. I can honestly say that I don't know. And this is the last episode for John Austin, or Ashton, However you say his last name, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced it. This will be his last episode. He made his first appearance on Murder, She Wrote in the Melissa Sue Anderson episode, Hooray for Homicide. And he made his first appearance as Harry Pierce in Joshua Peabody Died Here, possibly in episode two of season two. And continued and reprised his role in Lady in the Lake. And is now back for this third and final episode of this character. And I know, I wonder, did you all ever wonder, like, wow, so there was another realtor in town? Because in other seasons that I've seen, it was Eve Simpson who was the main realtor. And what happened to Harry? Well, you're about to find out if you've never seen this episode, and I'm going to spoil it starting now. And I got a lot to say about this episode because I have so many questions and it features one of, like, the greatest 80s stars ever, aside from Angela Lansbury, of course. <sighs> Betsy Palmer plays the role of Mrs. Norris, which is so funny. When you hear the word Mrs. Norris, I think of Harry Potter and the annoying cat that is in Harry Potter. Harry Potter fans, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Other people, just look it up. <laughs> Because I don't know if Harry Potter fans like Murder, She Wrote. But yes, when I when they literally called her Mrs. Norris, I was like, oh, you poor, poor, poor woman have to have that name. Of course, this is way before Harry Potter came out. <laughs> but when I hear that name, I think of that annoying cat. Can't help it. Harry Potter fans, you know what I'm talking about. But yes, Betsy Palmer of course, is famous for being in the original Friday the 13th that was released in 1980, playing the mother of all mothers that we wish we would have, a mother that is willing to kill for us, Mrs. Voorhees. And that's why we love her. 
unfortunately, and I'm going to get into it, folks, she doesn't get much to do in this episode, and it kind of, like, rubbed me the wrong way. This episode just rubbed me the wrong way. They all can't be good. So, all right, so let's, uh, let's get into it here. So, we start off this episode at someone's house. And I think it was a house that was used in Desperate Housewives because, of course, it was filmed on the Universal Backlot. Whenever we're in Cabot Cove, it's a Universal Backlot. And every other place where we're supposed to be, it's the Universal Backlot. But sometimes it's hard to tell. But in this episode, I recognized all the houses they used. And, of course, the street because of the street lamp. Because of Desperate Housewives. Of course, I wouldn't have known this until I watched a YouTube video where someone went on a Universal tour. And I was like... Holy crap, that is a studio backlot, and I had no idea, because it looked so real. And that is just the magic of Hollywood, as they say. But anyway, I don't know whose house it was, but I recognize it. But anyway, so she's, um, wa this woman is watching a soap opera. I don't know what soap opera. Um, but she has one of them portable televisions that they don't make anymore, which I wish they'd bring them back. Um, everything else has come back. I wish they would bring back VHS. I love VHS. There's so many movies on VHS that hasn't been released on DVD. Dying art form, I say. I, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> With ADHD, you go on and on. What can I say? Um, anyway... So she's watching her soap opera and she's about to take a bath because women did this, you know, they would take a bath and they would wash their soaps, but she keeps the TV at a very good distance. And we notice as the opening credits play that someone's in the basement. They seem to be watching her, waiting for something. And I think this is the first episode where we actually see the murder take place before Jessica actually solves it. Kind of like how they used to do Columbo. And the reason why, like, I couldn't get into Columbo was because of that. It was like, if I know who committed the murder and how the murder was committed, it, there's really no suspense there. Because then you're, like, I just felt like with Columbo, people had to be screaming at the, at the screen, Oh, for God's sakes, it's the, it's the maid, or it's this person or that person. Why haven't you figured it out? We already know. So there was, like, no suspense there. But there is suspense here because we don't know who is committing the murder. So she's sitting there and she gets into the bathtub and she's, like, enjoying herself, whatever, and listening to the soap. And suddenly the killer turns a switch on the uh, circuit breaker board thing and the TV goes off. She gets out of the bathtub, absolutely soaking wet, which is so stupid, because why would you do that? I mean, I understand, you know, the TV has shut off, and she goes, oh my god, $50, and, he's, and Larry did not fix it. And um, she goes over, and she's, like, pulling the knobs, and she's, like, trying to figure it out, and then she, she hit, like, um goes to pull the cord and then the killer turns the electric back on. She's electrocuted and then falls backwards into the bathtub. They do not show her body, so we're supposed to believe that it does not look good. 
And literally within seconds. I mean, that's the way the episode presents this. It's like literally within seconds, the police are showing up as the opening credits continue. And they finally stop when the police show up. And I want to know who the hell called the police. And I especially would like to know exactly how the killer... Well, we'll get into that towards the end here because I have more questions when we get to the end and the killer is revealed. But there's no sign that anyone called to say, hey, this person is dead. So Sheriff Tupper arrives and with him is Harry Pierce. Now, as I said, Harry made his first appearance in season two, well, actually in season one is a completely different character, a producer in Hooray for Homicide, um, who tries to return the button to Eve's costume because he knows that she was the murderer. Spoilers again, you know, if you haven't seen that episode lately. But anyway, in the second episode of season two, where we get introduced to Seth, is Joshua Peabody died here possibly? And Harry is a realtor. And also in Lady in the Lake, he is again a realtor. And never once in those two episodes does he express that he wants to suddenly be a sheriff. That seems to come out of nowhere. Because he's going to be the sheriff the next day. And this is Amos's last day before he gets to retire. And I have so many questions about this too because it's like... Um, how does one go from being a realtor for years selling people their house and now is going to be a sheriff of the town? I mean, I'm sure you have to have some sort of law degree, some excessive training, but apparently not. I mean, I don't know. I tried to look it up, but it was like really complicated. The internet kept thinking I wanted to become a cop, which no thank you. So it was kind of hard to like figure out exactly what you're supposed to do. And the name of the murder victim was Beverly Garrett, which unfortunately the actress is uncredited for this role um, because she basically has no lines and is basically there so she can die. So Sheriff Tupper and Harry Pierce go up the stairs and he says, well, it seems like this case is cut and dry. And uh, Harry says, oh yeah, it's a flared, frayed cord. I told her to get it fixed when I came around to appraise the place. Too bad she didn't get to it, Amos says. And he says, well, the case is pretty much wrapped up, right? Cut and dry. Even though we, as the audience, know it's not so cut and dry. Because we watched what the killer did. It's just a matter of time before Jessica and the sheriff figure it out. But again, who the hell called to, you know report that she was dead. So, we cut over to Jessica. Seth is there fixing her toaster. And, uh, <laughs> Seth seems to be very irritable in this episode. Like, he seems to have caught whatever Amos had in Lady in the Lake. I mean, he doesn't seem to be particularly happy or have a sunny disposition like like in this episode at least in the in the first part of it 
I mean, later he seems to soften, but he just gets even more and more kind of annoying in this episode. It's like, I don't understand, like, were they testing out his personality? You know, were they like, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to give a reasonable explanation. But he's sitting there, and there's someone on the phone gossiping. Um, I think it's Edna. I'm not sure. Because there is somebody named Edna in this, and I don't know if that's the person that's on the phone. But whoever this person is seems to know details that she couldn't possibly have known. She was like, oh my god. She was all dripping wet, got over, out of the tub, and and apparently she got electrocuted. You'd think she'd know better. Like, how do you know this? Like, they literally, like, discussed the crime upstairs in the bathroom. They literally did not discuss it openly in front of everyone else. So how would this person know what exactly happened? It makes no sense. And uh, Jessica says, Jessica's, or Seth says to Jessica, he's like, can you hang up with that excessive woman? And uh, she goes, Jessica, someone there with you? And uh, she says, just Seth, he's repairing my toaster. Although I'm afraid I should have just given it to Larry Burns. And uh, Seth says, well, I didn't know I was repairing an antique. Suddenly the doorbell rings and she's like, I have to go, doorbell. And Seth says, that woman's lung should be donated to science. <laughs> Jessica answers the door and there is a man sitting, standing at the door. Um, and this is Mr. Digby, played by Parker Stevenson from Baywatch. Although Baywatch wasn't around at this time, Baywatch wouldn't come until 1989, the year I was born. Um, but he, as soon as Jessica answers the door, he's like, beautiful, just beautiful, and just walks right in. And he goes, oh, this is something out of the old country, this wonderful home that you have. Michael, Michael Digby. And uh, he goes, clearly, um, my publisher told you that I was coming and she's like uh no and uh she has no idea and he's like looking around and he goes in the kitchen and he's like oh my goodness such a wonderful old fashioned town all the way down to the local repairman Seth like like seems to jump right out of his chair and he's like well Jessica you seem to be very busy so I think I'll go. He said, who are you again? And then Jessica remembers, oh, the travel writer. And he says, so they did call you. She said, yeah, a few months ago. But they didn't say anything about you coming now. And uh, he says, you're from the city, aren't you, boy? And um, Mr. Digby goes, yeah, how could you tell? I'm from New York. And he goes, yeah, well, I'm leaving. And he walks out the door and, like, I don't even know what, like, was he offended? Like, like, I don't understand. It makes no sense. So, um, he leaves and he's like, I want to write about this wonderful town. 
I want to put Cabot Cove on the map. And Jessica says, well, I thought it was. <laughs> and he goes, no, on the big map. Once people get wind of this town, corporations can come and build all kinds of stuff. And she said, well, um, he said, I wrote about this one town and they had a mall and they were thriving. And she said, and what happened to the heart of the town? Oh, it was buried in the new mall they built. And then he looks at, like, a cookie dish or whatever, and he goes, Oh, it must be your grandmother's old pickle crop. And she says, Actually, I bought it yesterday. So we head, um... It's the next day. Jessica's showing Mr. Digby the town. And, uh... She says that... She shows him the historical society... And says that Cabot Cove goes back a long way. And Mr. Digby knows the history and says that it was founded in 1786. There was a big fire in the 1800s that burned it all down. And then, of course, the Battle of Cabot Cove in 1878. Which I could be wrong on what they actually said because that would not make sense if it was founded, whatever. But... But uh, he seems to know a lot of the history of the town. Um, Jessica says it's a peaceful little town. She says hello to the mailman. There are two random people who live next door to each other. They get their mail and suddenly they're yelling at each other. Um, we do not know what this is about, but it's the start of the weird letters. Which, in the description, they call them poison pen letters, which I don't know what that means. I'll look it up. Okay, so apparently poison pen letters was a letter typically anonymous that is abusive or malice. Basically, the kind of letter you don't want to get. Um, and we have no idea what is said in these two letters that, that make these two random extras. Because I can't even remember if they had names. Just get angry at each other and just go into to the house and refuse to speak to each other for the rest of their lives, I guess. Um, meanwhile, and I believe this happened before that scene, before the scene where she shows him the town, sorry. She runs into Amos in his car and he's going fishing. And she's on her bike and she's like, I can't believe you're not going to be sheriff anymore and I'm not going to get, it's going to be hard to get used to your new sheriff being the realtor, Harry Pierce. And he says, oh, Harry will be fine. I didn't know much about the job when I took over. What? Again, don't know anything about law enforcement. Like, I'm sorry. It's like, but I'm pretty sure you just can't be like, yep, I'm going to be sheriff now. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But, I'm just moving on because uh, I just can't with that. So he decides to go fishing and he has a new car, well, new to him, old to the dealer, whatever, and goes off to go fishing. Meanwhile, Mrs. Fletcher later shows Mr. Digby an empty stretch of land with a beautiful view of the ocean. And he says, oh, wow, this is so beautiful out here. And she says, we, we think so. She said, but there are a group of developers who want to put condos out here. 
We call them the Condo 3. And as if on cue, a limousine just randomly freaking shows up. And and Betsy Palmer and two other guys who I will get to at the end come out. We have no idea what their names are at first. They're just called the Condo 3. And there's no reason for them to be here. We have no idea where they walk. There's no buildings for them to go to. And they're just there to establish... For Jessica to basically say, oh, that's them, the Condo 3. Yep, there they are. It's like you couldn't take him to a bar or the fish restaurant or something to establish them in any other way but that way. It just seems so random. So as they're talking, Jessica explains that that land used to be Coast Guard land. There was a beautiful wooden lighthouse that burned down mysteriously a year ago she also mentions that they want to keep the town as small as possible and as homely as it is and they even stopped the building of a high-rise hotel a year ago which would be what happened in joshua peabody died here possibly um and I thought that was several months ago, not a year ago, because it's 1985 when this aired, but whatever. At least they mention it continuity-wise. I guess they didn't build it, because we don't even see that stretch of land. And it wasn't even near where, wherever we are in this. Like, I'm sure somebody, some super fan somewhere, has, like, mapped everything and has, like, a, a is really good at geography and has mapped where everything is supposed to be in Cab Cove, because I have no idea. But as they're talking, um, she reveals all this exposition, and she's like, well, Beverly Garrett's family used to own the land, but then when the, when the lighthouse burned, it's no longer coastal land, it's like community property, and they're trying to build condos. And that's why we call them the Condo 3, and he says, but I don't understand why the lighthouse just make it land or make it community land. I mean, wasn't it Coast Guard all the time? She said, oh, it was never Coast Guard land. So I don't really understand the whole decision. Well, as she's talking, another car comes up. And again, I have so many questions as to how, like, they knew that, that this person knew that she was there. This is Edna. And Edna comes up and literally runs up to Jessica and hits her with her purse and says, stay away from my husband. Charlie might not be much, but he's all I got. And she goes, Edna, my goodness, I have no idea what you're talking about. And since we have no idea what's going on at this point, we cut to Amos, who is basically in his yard. He's eating a hot dog. He's listening to music. Um, on his headphones, which I love to do that. Um, and like, I don't know if this is supposed to be the same day, like if he went fishing and, and now he's back or whatever, but I just thought this was like a funny little scene where the mailman comes in and he goes, enjoying your retirement. And he goes, this is the life, pure heaven. And he goes, well, here's a letter. Don't strain yourself. And uh, Amos opens it and he goes, well, I'll be damned. So he goes down to the police station and he says, 
I got this letter and it's addressed to Sheriff Amos Tupper. And he goes, I don't know what to do about this. And he says, I think it's a crank letter. And Harry goes, a crank letter? Here, put it in the box with the rest of them. And it appears that every single person in town has gotten a letter. So after the screen goes black, we cut to the dock. A man named Nails Anderson is fighting with a uh, IRS agent. Apparently, they got an anonymous note saying that his uh, taxes were less than stellar. And Nels looks like he can, like, take him. So Jessica shows up, and she goes up to Larry Burns, which is so funny. Larry Burns was a character on Days of Our Lives, wasn't he? But he's like a repairman. Anyway, um... He says, oh, she hands him his, her, uh, toaster, and he says, oh, Jess, not again. And, uh, she asks what, what Nels is, is arguing over, and he says, those letters in town have just been so crazy. And she says, I didn't get one. He said, neither did I. Well, suddenly, a man named, um, I think his name was, uh, Adam, Adam Forbeser, um, <laughs> comes in and he says, it's your fault. You killed my Beverly and the dude is drunk and, and, uh, he says, you didn't fix her TV set. And he says, I did fix that. And he said, no, uh, you're pulling my chain. The cord was flared. He said, nothing was wrong with the cord when I fixed it. And he won't stop fighting, so Nails just randomly picks him up and throws him into the into the lake or river or whatever. And I guess he hits his head on a rock when he, when he falls over, because he, he goes over head first. And uh, so we cut to the sheriff's office. And he's getting bandaged up. Seth is there because he's the local town doctor. And I know what you all are thinking. There's a character named Beverly in this. And that's Beverly Garrett who dies. Well, so far, once again, Seth's longtime secretary, Beverly, if it's Thursday, it must be Beverly, is not yet introduced. So far, she's not been mentioned. I don't know why. But anyway... Um, we cut to um, another house. Um, a woman is yelling at a man. Um, this is Mr. Hoffman. Um, Mr. Frederick, Friedrich Hoffman. Um, and he's yelling at his landlord or landlady, um, Elvira. She goes to the sheriff's office. And uh, she goes, I need you to take care of him, Sheriff. You're not going to believe what he accused me of. Which, of course, we're not going to find out what he accused her of. Because it's not important to the plot. But uh, they're going through the letters. 
Seth is sitting, um, standing there, and Harry's standing there, and, uh, he tells Adam to go sleep off his hangover in the cell in the back. You know, kind of like that character did on Andy Griffith. <laughs> I can't remember his name. But anyway, um, and El Elvira comes in and she's like, and then when the letters are mentioned, she goes, but I only sent one. And uh, Harry goes, you sent a letter? And she said, yes, I promised a friend. And uh, Seth and Harry are like, well, who would you send it to? And what did it say? And she says, I'd rather not say, I don't want my name dragged through this. And then as she goes outside, she says, something is very wrong here. So meanwhile, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Meanwhile, um, we cut to Jessica's house and Jessica is trying to figure out how you will electrocute someone with a TV when Amos um, comes in and he says he's wearing a new like baseball jacket or something and and he says, oh yeah, I went to the this baseball game and he was like, I came over to see how you were doing and uh, she tells him he asked, is something wrong with your set? I can probably help you fix it. And she was like, oh no, I'm just trying to figure out how you would kill someone with electrocuting them with a TV. And he said, oh, Beverly Garrett? And she was like, yeah. He said, but that was an accident. And she says, no, Larry Burns claims that he fixed the set and that nothing was wrong with the cord. And uh, she said, perhaps the killer shut the power off and she got out of the, the tub dripping wet and she tried the knob and then she did what all of us did. Pull the cord to see if, if it was secure. And then the killer turned the electric back on and voila. He said, you know, that could make sense. And then she goes, oh, wait. Here I am explaining this to you and you're not even sheriff anymore, Amos. And he goes, I don't mind. Suddenly the phone rings and it's Harry Pierce. He needs help with the letters. Um, so Amos says, well, just because I'm not sheriff anymore doesn't mean I can't uh, help out. So we cut to the sheriff's station. Seth is there. Amos is there. Harry is there. And Jessica. They're going through the various letters. And uh, Jessica says, well, this doesn't make any sense. Um, some of them have different paper on them. Some of them are made from, from newspaper. It just does not make any sense. And she said, and what did your letter say, Amos? And he's like, mine talked about the fire Oh." of the lighthouse on that property that the condo three are trying to make the condos on. And, uh, she said, well, could Beverly, Beverly Garrett have started that fire? No, she had a solid alibi. Then they read another letter about Mr. Comedy, which will be a character that I think will show up later on in the series, but is mentioned, but not seen for a while. 
had started something and and Jessica says, well, that's not right. He was in jail for non-payment of alimony payments or something to that effect. She says, so some of these letters aren't true. And she says, well, for one thing, somebody went to an awful lot of trouble to stir all this up. The question is, why? So we cut later that night to Jessica's um, house. She has just had dinner with uh, Mr. Digby. And he's saying, it was so good. And he's like praising her. And he's like, I love this, like, this, these dishes you have, which is one of those like old dishes with the blue pattern on it, you know, with the farmer's thing and stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and she's not paying attention to him. She's just staring off in the distance. And she's like, I want to, she was like, he was like, are you okay, Mrs. Fletcher? You're not speaking. She's like, I'm sorry. I was thinking about this whole mess. She says, it doesn't make any sense. And she's like, you know what? I want to go speak to Elvira. So they go down, they go for a walk, and as soon as they get to Elvira's house, Elvira is dead, hanging from a tree. And guess what Elvira's name, last name is? Elvira Tree. I mean, writers, were you just being clever or ironic? I really would like to know. <laughs> Um, so Jessica goes upstairs to look in her apartment and uh, sh she calls out the window that she called the sheriff and he's like, can I please go home? I'm feeling a bit squeamish. And she says, just wait a few more minutes. She looks upstairs and she's inspecting everything and she sees like a letter that is typed on, on the typewriter. I wrote all the letters because you all turned against me. Gossip now all you want. And it's not signed or anything. It's just randomly sitting there. She notices that there are letters cut up from magazines. And she goes through her pots and pans and different things. And suddenly she hears someone coming upstairs. Um, so she hides and then it's Mr. Hoffman. Mr. Hoffman looks out the window and notices her body, notices Elvira's body. He's like, oh my God, she's dead. And he's supposed to be German, but suddenly he loses his accent. And Jessica points that out right away. <laughs> she starts talking to him. She was like, wow, Mr. Hoffman, did you suddenly change nationalities? Your German accent seems to be gone. Oh, Jessica. I just love it. Um, but, like, I don't know if there's a back entrance to this house, but if she's in the front, how could he not have seen her? Oh, so many plot holes. But anyway, he sa she says, what are you doing here, Mr. Hoffman? He said, I had I came to have it out with her. She was, think she was thinking of kicking me out. And uh, he says, well, no, I wasn't going to kill her. No place is worth that. Which it's true, it's not. Um, so. 
the police show up and Mr. Hoffman goes out. He doesn't want to deal with the police. No explanation is given for that. Um, Jessica leans through the window. Harry goes out and he says, Oh, that's so sad. We should cut her down. And Mrs. Fletcher says, uh, Shouldn't you have Seth Hazlitt come and uh, look at the body before you take her down? Oh, yeah, that's right. Good idea, Miss Fletcher. So, Elvira is now dead. Um, Jessica goes to the local Hall of Records. She thinks that Beverly Garrett's death and, and Elvira's death has something to do with um, the Condo 3. And they randomly show up and ask her why she's snooping around. Which makes you think they're suspects. So we get introduced to Mrs. Norris, played by Betsy Palmer. Um, George Kep and uh, Mr. Nelson. So we have all those. And uh, Jessica says that she's looking into the land development and everything over there, thinking it has to do with poor Beverly and Edna, or Elvira's death. And uh, Mrs. Norris says, and what makes you think one has to do with the other? And she says, I'm not. It's just a theory. Does that theory ever pine out? We don't know. Um, so they go off on their merry way. And uh, when Jessica was examining you know, Edna, uh, Elvira, so many freaking E names in this, that there were pills and stuff. So she goes to talk to Edna, who apologizes. She was like, I should have known that was a crank letter. She said, my Charlie. She said, he used to be so active when we first got married, like a wild animal. And then two year, ten years ago, his battery died. <laughs> what a great way to put it. And uh, so there's no way that he'd be able to have an affair with you. And of course, we don't know what the dude looks like because he, he, they didn't cast an actor to play him. Well, Edna basically, who doesn't like to gossip about people, but of course she's going to anyway, says that Elvira had really bad arthritis. She went out of town... In Newbury, to another doctor, she didn't go to Seth because she didn't want her daughter to know that her arthritis was bad. She started staying home, but she used to volunteer at the library in the hospital, something I would like to do. But with this heat wave, I just don't think I'm, I want to get out because we're having a terrible heat wave again in Kentucky. And we had some weird, severe weather earlier. It was crazy. Anyway, sorry. Um... And she was not very active. She got her groceries delivered. She stayed inside. She barely went anywhere. Um, so. So Jessica's starting to believe that maybe. Just maybe she didn't. Um, kill herself. 
So we cut back to Jessica's house. Um, Mr. Digby sits there wondering what he can do to help Jessica solve these crimes. And he's beginning to think that small town life is not so great and that Cabin Cove is not so wonderful. What's your first clue, dude? Poor Ovira hanging from a tree. Oh my god. And uh, she says, maybe you can do some detective work. And he goes, me as a detective? Well, what a concept. And it's like, wink, wink. Because he played one of the Harvey boys in the Harvey girl, Harvey boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries, which is what he was known for mainly around this time. So it's kind of like a wink to the audience when he played detective. Ha ha ha. Um, she says, I want you to go to this bar downtown, I don't know the name, where the condo three hang out, and I want to see if they will disclose some information to you. Um, so meanwhile, Jessica decides to go to Beverly's house to look around in the basement. She's going through a trunk of stuff when she notices that there's somebody in the house. She goes under underneath and turns the bulb off and she realizes that there's a hole in the floor and there's sawdust all over the floor and that the circuit breaker is right there. She looks up and she can clearly see in the bathroom and Amos is in there washing his hands, which makes no sense. Why is he washing his hands? Like, what? I don't get that. And she goes, is that you, Amos? And he's like, looking all around, and he goes, Mrs. Fletcher, is that you? And uh, he says, yes. Or she says, yes, it is. I'm in the basement. So he goes down the basement. And she shows him the hole, and she shows him Circuit Breaker, and she basically says, my theory might be correct. Well, suddenly they hear somebody come in the house, and someone coming down in the basement. So Jessica turns the light off again and unscrews the light bulb. Well, as the person goes down the stairs, they hide, and Amos noticed there's a shovel. So he kind of makes a noise while getting the shovel, and the guy's like, who's there? And then Jessica takes the light bulb and, like, busts it, which I don't know why she does that. Um, but Amos goes up and hits the dude on the head, and it turns out to be Adam. So they go to the sheriff's office. Stuff is there, and he says he'll live. And he says, I was going there to find the papers because Beverly gave me my my boat. She bought this boat for me, and it's mine, and I needed to prove that it was mine. And, uh, he said, I didn't kill her, and he said, breaking and entering is still a crime, Harry. Or, Adam, sorry, not Harry. He, he's Harry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he says, it's still breaking and entering, even if the person is dead. And he puts him in the cell. Well, suddenly, a random deputy, um, deputy, uh, probably never see again, Deputy Willard, 
comes in and has Mr. Hoffman and says Mr. Hoffman was trying to go out of town and he decides to put Mr. Hoffman and Adam in the cell in the back. And he says that now he has two people. He has the killer locked up. He just has to figure out which one it is. Well, Jessica says, Harry, why don't you bring the state police in on this? And he says, oh, you don't think I can do the job? Well, I'm getting tired of this job. He puts the badge down. He says, Amos, you can have it back. Jessica, you can do whatever the hell you want. I'm going home. So later that night, Jessica, Seth, and Amos are having dinner. Amos is having a biscuit, which he puts a bunch of butter on. And um, Seth says, do you have enough butter with your biscuit? And, he's, and he says, you know, you don't, that's too much fat for you. He says, brain food, doc, brain food. Jessica's stumped at this point. But then Amos says, you know, there was a funny thing about my letter. And uh, Seth goes, well, spit it out, won't you? And it's like, what is wrong with Seth in this episode? And Amos says, I wondered who would be writing to me from Newberry. And she says, oh, Amos, I love you, Jessica says. She's like, oh, my goodness, you know, Elvira's letter was the letter that was supposed to get to you. And he said, but that was about the fire. And she said, yes, I've been doing some research about that. He said, well, the only people that would benefited from that fire was the condo three. Jessica goes, oh, no. Mr. Digby. So she calls the restaurant. Mr. Digby's been there for like several hours. Um, he goes and wants to ask about the condos and the two guys don't want to talk to him. But Mrs. Norris immediately wants him to sit with her and is flirting with him. Well, Jessica calls and he go and he's clearly drunk, but then when he gets on the phone, he's not drunk at all. And he says, thank goodness you called, he said. I've been faking being drunk. I, like, ate half a pound of butter and a little, and been slipping on, on scotch. And I'm pretending to be drunk. It's a trick my father taught me. Gee, isn't that great when your father teaches you something like that? <laughs> a useful skill. Don't really understand why one's father would teach them that. But okie dokie. <laughs> Um, he says that the condo three had nothing to do with the fire. They were out of town. And, uh, that they deal with the local realtor. Dun, dun, dun. And he goes, can I please go home now? And Jessica says, no, no, you can't come home. He said, I want you to openly flirt with Mrs. Norris and have her drag something out of you. Make it very easy. So he goes back to the table and pretends to be drunk. And she says, who was that? And uh, he says, oh, that was Mrs. Fletcher. I stay with her. Just She was just checking up on me. And she goes, oh, how nice. She goes, what hotel are you staying at? And he says, I'm staying with Mrs. Fletcher. She's a really nice lady. And she goes, and what does she have that I haven't got? <laughs> And he says, she's really very smart. She has this whole thing figured out. She thinks that Beverly 
And Garrett's and and the tree's murder has something to do with that fire where you guys want to build them condos. And she says, Boulder Dash. And he says, no, she's got it figured out. And she's going to go to Beverly Garrett's house and look for some papers to see if her theory is correct. And uh, suddenly Mrs. Norris has to go to the powder room, but she makes a call on the payphone and she tells someone, she says, listen, Buster, you got some trouble heading your way. Dun, dun, dun. So we cut to Jessica in the basement and she's going through a trunk and suddenly Harry comes in the door and she says, Harry, is that you? He says, yeah, Jess, I saw the light from the basement and decided to see what was going on. Uh, there was no light from the basement. Jessica broke it. Jessica said, well, I knew that someone would be tipping you off. I was waiting for someone. I thought it might be you. He said, Harry, I, or he said, Jessica, I told you. I thought I saw a light and I, she said, I thought that you quit as sheriff. He said, I'm sorry, I lost my temper. She said, Harry, you're a lousy liar. And you're a lousy murderer. And he said, what? Jessica, how can you accuse me of that? We've been friends for years. I sold you and me and Frank were lodge buddies. I sold you your house. Which, this is news to me and the rest of the viewers. This was not established and Joshua Peabody dies here. Possibly. This was not established in The Lady in the Lake. I mean, this is just new information. It makes absolutely no sense. Because in those episodes, he came across as annoying and Jessica didn't seem to like him all that much. Anyway, um, she says yes, and that's why this is hard. She says, you slipped, Harry, badly. Harry, Larry Burns fixed Beverly's TV set. The cord wasn't frayed until you doctored it. He said, so what? What does that prove? You, Amos told me you pointed it out to him. That cord was, oh, it's a frayed cord. I told her to check it out when I appraised the place. It wasn't frayed until you doctored it to look that way. She said, the worst thing of this is, is that you killed two women to cover up a realtor scheme. And she said, and I just can't believe it. And at first he denies it, as most killers do. But then he says, she said, she says, you pinned those letters on a woman with arthritis who could not lift a pen to write her own name, let alone be able to tie a hangman's knot. And all for what? For money. And he says, Well, yeah, I burned down that lighthouse for the condo three. And Beverly knew about it. She blackmailed me and she wanted more money. Kept just egging it on and on. So I had to let her go. And once I found out that Elvira 
sent the letter, I had to stop it. And that makes this all the more hard. And he pulls out a gun like he's going to shoot Mrs. Fletcher. But Amos, Seth, and Deputy Will Willard comes out and tells him to put his hands up and drop the gun. And he does. And that's the end of Harry Pierce, ladies and gentlemen. And then the episode ends with Mr. Digby deciding not to write anything about Kevin Cove. He wants to leave it exactly the way he found it. And he's going to go off in the country away from Murbertown. And that's the end of the episode. And boy, oh boy, do I have a lot to say. First off, since we know the killer is Harry Pierce, how in the hell does Harry kill Beverly and then manage to show up literally seconds later with Sheriff Tupper? I mean, that whole part is like a plot hole in itself. And again, who called to report that she was dead? How could he have driven all driven driven sorry all the way to the to the sheriff's office from her house? Not that I know how far distance that is, but also what a way to what a way for this character to exit out. I mean, the fact that we didn't know much about his character when he was introduced in when his character got introduced and Joshua Peabody died here, possibly he was just established as the realtor, the local realtor. And I knew, you know, every time I get to this point, um, I know that Eve Simpson, you know, ends up being the local realtor. And I didn't know what happened, but it's like, what happened behind the scenes? Like, why did they decide to do this? And this is the first episode, sadly, the first episode where... Two residents of Cabot Cove die, and a resident is the killer. The other times we were in Cabot Cove, it was an outsider. The victims were outsiders, the killers were outsiders. This is the first time, and this will be a theme throughout the show, where there will be residents dying and people actually killing them. And... Wow, murder capital of the USA, you're right there. Um, but the thing is, like, it doesn't make any sense that he would kill, like, and this all relies on this all relies on stuff that happened off screen. We don't know because we didn't see any scenes establishing any of this. So we're only going off of what is given. And what is told to us. Which really sucks. It's like he was so desperate. It's like what happened? Okay. Theory. Um, the hotel burns down. Or no. Didn't get built. So Harry looks for his next venture. The person who was supposed to get the lakeside in. Or Lake Stone in. Decides not to get it because a murder happens there. So then Harry has no choice but to do this underhanded, sneaky little deal with the condo three, which unfortunately goes absolutely nowhere. I mean, 
The fact that you put Betsy Palmer in this episode and you give her virtually nothing to do after playing one of the most awesome mothers in, in movie history, Mrs. Voorhees, you give her virtually nothing to do. There's no stakes for her character. There's no reason for her to be flirting with Mr. Digby. There's no, there's not even any stakes with Mr. Digby. Like, he's just there. Um, and they make a big deal about the Condo 3 and nothing happens. I don't think this is ever brought up again in any other episodes. I could be wrong because I haven't seen every single episode of this show. But I'm pretty sure, and it kind of rubs me the wrong way that you put Betsy Palmer in this in this episode and you give her virtually nothing to do. I mean, I know when they wrote it, they didn't think that, oh, yeah, they're going to cast Betsy Palmer. So they did not write it specifically for her. But it's like you put her in this episode and you give her virtually nothing to do. You have a really great actor that, that uh, played uh, one of the Condo 3 that guest starred on the Golden Girls, um, Mr. Kemp, and you give him virtually nothing to do as well. I mean, why even put them in the episode? They couldn't just be off screen? Of course, you wouldn't have had that, you know, him having to warn her or her having to warn Harry about everything. And what a way to go. I mean, you know, Ethan just got to leave. They had to make the local realtor into a killer. And what's worse is, I believe the next Cabot Cove episode, they don't even mention it. Like, there's no continuity in between. It's like, that'd be something that I would be still talking about in the next episode. I'd be like, oh my god, remember when Harry Pierce killed Beverly Garrett? And, like... He knows, okay, so Jessica solved the murder of the construction worker for the high-rise hotel. She solved the murder at the stone at the inn in Lady in the Lake. Why in the hell would he be, would kill Beverly Garrett and successfully get away with that? Mostly. And then when, and then storm the town with multiple letters because he doesn't know what letter was actually sent out. How he found out about the letter, that part, again, is a plot hole, too, because we don't find out how he found out that she sent a letter out, which she was just telling the sheriff to look into that fire. And he admits that he said it. But... Nothing's happened with that land, so I don't understand why. Yeah, again, plot hole, plot hole, plot hole. It's just like, it's annoying. And this episode kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The title, I don't like the title. I mean, it's supposed to be Sticks and Stones when I Break My Bones, but words would never hurt me, which is why I did Sticks and Stones when I Break My Bones, but letters will never hurt me in the intro, which I hope you enjoyed. Anyway, let's go over the guest stars. I mean, I like the I like the overall performance from Angela Lansbury and John Austin, and of course Betsy Palmer. But this episode could have been better. They could have done it in a different way. The fact that it relies heavily on things that Harry did, it off screen, and they didn't really establish his character. Like I don't know why Joss, John Austin or Ashton, however you say his last name, um, wanted to leave the show. But there you have it. Um, and also, happy first day of summer. I can't believe it's summer already. 
And I can't wait for it to be over because I'm like over this heat. All right. So, okay. It's Ashton because it's A-S-T-I-N. Ashton. John Ashton. All right. We're going to go over his final. This is his final episode of Murder, She Wrote. He is known for The Frighteners, 1996. Awesome movie. Evil Roy... Shade, 1972. National Lampoon's European Vacation, 1995. And Return of the Killer Toward Tomatoes, 1988. Honestly, the role... I saw European Vacation a couple months ago, and the role that he played in that was really weird. And did not age well, so I... Yeah. He's in post-production for something called Starship 2. I didn't see that the last time I looked at this. Um, he's done a lot of voiceover work, like on Recess, Wild Thornberry's New Adams Family, and Darkwing Duck, or Duckman, The Nanny, Step by Step, Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat, Aladdin, the cartoon series. Oh, well, this is not his final episode of Murder, She Wrote. He will appear in another episode as a completely different character in 1995. My goodness. I didn't know that. Um, But it's going to take us a while to get there, so let's just go over the rest of his credentials. Um, he was in a TV show, Problem Child, which was a cartoon based on the movie. Tasmanian Devil, Ah, Real Monsters, really weird. Mad About You, Blake's Law. And he was in the new, uh, the cartoon series, uh, Adam's Family, because he played the original Gomo- Gomez Adams. Yes. Yes, he did. And there was a TV series, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, cartoon series based on it, Tales from the Crypt, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, I remember that now, Father Downey Mysteries, Webster, The Charmings, which was a sitcom that I saw, that I found on YouTube years ago. Where it was like, what life was like after Cinderella met her friends. It was really weird. Um, Mary the Love Boat. Simon and Simon, the Facts of Life. Captain America and the Teen Angels cartoon series. Fantasy Island, Operation Petticoat. Halloween with the New Addams Family. I'm trying to see if he was in the original or if I'm just Night Gallery, the new Scooby-Doo movies. I love Scooby-Doo. He had to be unless I'm removed. No. Yes, he was in the original Adams Family in 1964 to 66. Yep. So he was the original Gomez Adams. I love that. Alright. So... Uh, Friedrich Hoffman was played by Paul Benedict and I think I recognized him 
but I can't remember from where. Um, he died in 2008 at the age of 70. Um, he is known for The Man with Two Brains, 1983. This is Spinal Tap, 1984. Jeremiah Johnson, 1972. And The Goodbye Girl, 1977. His last known credit is Side by Earth. Okay. He guys started on the Drew Carey show. He was in the Devil's Advocate, uncredited. Attack of the 50-Foot Woman in 1993 movie. He was in the theatrical release movie, The Addams Family. He guest starred on Tales from the Crypt, A Different World. He was on Sesame Street, Author 2 on the Rocks, The Twilight Zone. This is the only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Oh, the Jeffersons. That's what I recognized him from, the Jeffersons. Yeah, as the neighbor downstairs. McMullen and wife, all in the family. Maud. Kojak. He was on Guiding Life as Mr. Pratt in 1999. Good for him. He was funny. He didn't get to be all that funny in this episode. In this episode, he was kind of mean. Uh, Joseph Kappa, some Kappa, Caparelli, Kappa, Kappa Panna, I don't know, Camp, something, um, played Mr. Kemp, one of the, uh, four. Oh, and I also was really sad that we did not know what happened with Nils and the IRS. Like, I don't understand why you would introduce that and not even have, like, a payoff. Um, he died in 2018-93. Um, the guy who played Mr. Cap. He is known for... Mm, Mannix. 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 96-70-72. One day at a time. As the father. Retreat. No surrender. 1990. And the practice. Awesome show. 1990-2001. Last known credit. Lost. Dream. Um, he guest starred on the original CSI in 2008. Uh, he was on The Bold and Beautiful as Jonathan Young from 96 to 2005. Cold Case, The Guardian, The Division, love that. The Practice, That's Life, Star Trek Voyager, Biography, Narrator, Melrose Place, L.A. Heat, Spider-Man, the animated series, as the lizard slash Dr. Connors. Awesome. Touched by an Angel, Pacific Blue. Road Warriors, or Rovers. I think it was a cartoon series. Walker, Texas Rangers, Spider-Man cartoon maker, as Dr. Connors. The Rockford Files movie. Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Ooh. He did some voice work for Batman the Animated Series. I love that. Baywatch. He was on Days of Our Lives as Harper Devereaux. Don't know. Um, Knott's Landing as an attorney. Beauty and the Beast, the TV show that wasn't like the movie. 
21 Jump Street, the TV show. I love the TV show. Hated the movie. Um, the original Dallas. Um, he was on Mama's Family as Thelma's teacher when she goes back to school. And he will be he will appear in another episode of Murder She Wrote in nineteen ninety seven. And he was also on the soap opera The Kobe's, which everybody says was really good, which I would like to see someday. But unfortunately, um, I don't know where to find it on DVD. I really miss a place where we could rent stuff like Blockbuster. Man, I miss that. Uh, John David Carson played the role of Laurie Burns, which I forgot to mention. Amos also arrested him. I forgot until this moment. So he had three killers locked up, but didn't know which one was which when he was the killer. Um... Larry, the guy who played Larry, uh, John David Carson, died in 2009 at the age of 57. He was known for Pretty Woman, 1990, Empire of the Ants, 1977, Falcon Crest, and Space Ghost. His last known credit was in 1990 in Pretty Woman as Mark. Um, I don't remember him in that movie. He was on Falcon Crest as Jay Spence. Um, guest starred on Simon and Simon, The Law, and Harry McGraw. Um, this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was on Three's Company, Bring Him Back Alive, Chips, Taxi, ha Hawaii Five-O, The Littlest Hobo, Charlie's Angels, The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, um, Eight is Enough, Barnaby Jones, in uh, the Fantastic Journey, Police Woman, Canon, Insight, um, I don't know what Insight is, Doc Elliott, The Partridge Family, Room 2-2, Young Lawyers, The Bill Cosby Show, Marcus Welby, MD, Space Ghost was a cartoon show. That's his first credit. Awesome. Uh, Elvira Tree, our second murder victim, was played by Marsha Hunt. She's still alive. She's known for Pride and Prejudice, 1940, Raw Deal, Deal 1948, Lost Angel, 1943, and Mary Ryan Detective, 1949. Never seen any of those movies. Her last known credit is in 2008. In the Empire State Building Murders, a TV movie. She guest starred on Star Trek The Next Generation, Madlock, this is her only episode of Murder She Wrote, uh, Police Story, Medical Story, Ironside, Marcus Will BMD, uh, My Three Sons, Run for Your Life, The Twilight Zone, Gunsmoke, the Zane Gray Theater, The Americans, 1961. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The 20th Century Fox Hour. Uh, and she was in a lot of films for, like, a lot of classic films. Good for her. So sad she had to die in this episode. And Edna was played by Ellen Keyes. I wonder if she worked... I wonder if both of them worked with, with uh, 
Angela Lansbury, when she was at MGM. She died on the 4th of July in 2008 at the age of 91. She's known for The Seven Year Itch, 1955, with Marilyn Monroe. The Prowler, 1951. Gone with the Wind, 1939. And Mr. Soft Touch, 1949. I don't know who she played in Gone with the Wind. Solon, their daughter? Oh, she will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 87 and 93. So we'll go over her instruct her guest starring roles then. That's her last credited role is on Murder, She Wrote. And before that, Wicked Stepmother. Danny Miller played the role of Nels Anderson, who threw Adam off of there. He died in 2014 at the age of 80. He's known for The Party, 1968, Tarzan the Ape Man, and uh, his picture is a Tarzan picture. He looked really hot back in the day. Uh, he's also known for The Six Million Dollar Man and Doomsday Machine, 1972. His last known credit is something called Hell to Pay in 2005. He guest starred on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Lonesome Dove, the series, the miniseries, Werewolf, Magnum P.I., Hardcastle, McCormick, Blake's Magic, Mur this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote, Knight Rider, Heart to Heart, the original Dallas, V, the original V, Simon and Simon, Voyagers, Buck Rogers in the 20th Century, The Incredible Hawk, Vegas, Charlie's Angels, MASH, When the Whistle Blows, uh, Young Maverick, The Runaways, The Broadbrook Follows, Battlestar Galactica, Barnaby Jones, What Really Happened to the Class of 68, Wonder Woman, Alice, Loved Alice, Six Million Dollar Man, Wild World of Mystery, the Streets of San Francisco, McLeod, The Brady Bunch, Gunsmoke, Vanished, Mission Impossible, I Dream of Genie. So he was on all the good ones. Love American Style, Hawaii Five O, Death Valley Days, This Is the Life I Spy, Gilligan's Island, The Fugitive, The Guy from Uncle, Mona McKenzie, Wagon Train, The Deputy, Tales of Wells Fargo, General Electric Theater, Have Gun, Will Travel, Tarzan the Ape Man. And The Life of Riley is a TV show, his first credit. Awesome, good for him. Um, and of course, Betsy Palmer, I, I hope she's in another episode of Mercy Road and gets way more material. She sadly passed away in 2015 at the age of 88. She is known for Friday the 13th, 1980, Friday the 13th, Part 2, 1981, Penny Dreadful, 2005, and Mr. Rogers, Roberts, 1955. Her last known credit is Bell Witch. The movie is The Bell Witch. She guest starred on Just Shoot Me. She was on Knots Landing. Would love to see her on Knots Landing. Yes, she will be in another episode of Murder, She Wrote, Something Borrowed, Something Blue in 1989, the year I was born. So we'll go over more of her guest starring roles then. Michael Digby was played by Parker Stevenson, like I said before. He was known for Baywatch. He's still with us. 
He just had a birthday on June 4th. Happy birthday, Mr. Stevenson. He's known for Probe, 1988, The Hardy Boys, National Geo Mysteries, 1979-79, uh, Mistrust, 2018, and Baywatch, 1989-99. His last known credit is last year, Last Call in the Doghouse. He was also on Greenhouse Academy, American Candidate, Christmas Movie, My Christmas Prince, A Christmas Reunion, He guest starred on The District, Judging Amy, Batman Beyond, love that, Baywatch, um, Melrose Place is Steve McMullen, which was a weird, weird role, um, Blossom, Baywatch, Panic at Malibu Pier, which was the pilot movie, Mission Impossible, Probe was a best, I guess, a series, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, um, he was in North and South Book 2, Love and War. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was on Falcon Crest, The Love Boat, Hotel, This House Possessed. And he played Frank Hardy on The Hardy Boys, Gunsmoke. And then a separate piece with his first movie in 72. Sometimes he's a good actor, but sometimes he's like really creepy. Christopher Stone played Adam, uh, Beverly's boyfriend. He died in 1995 at the age of 55. He is known for The Howling, 1981, Cujo, 1983, The New Lassie, 1989 to 92, and The Bionic Woman. Oh, yeah. He was in Cujo. He played the guy that Dee Wallace's character has an affair with. Um, last known credit is Street Justice in 94. Um, he played Bill Horton on Days of Our Lives. Um, the father in The New Lassie. Oh, and he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 89 when I was born. All right, then. Um, and... The other half of the Condo 3 was played by Howard Witt. And he died in 2017 at the age of 85. He is known for Simon and Simon. Remington Street, The Magical World of Disney is Mr. Boogie. And Richie Brickman, Private Eye. Last known credit is in 2010 uh, for Red Blue. And Death of a Salesman, he guest starred on the original Law and Order. And he was in Mr. Bigley. Oh, he was in The Golden Girls as Hunter McCoy. I can't see any pictures of him, so. I mean, he didn't look, he didn't look familiar to me. But the other guy played the cop, so, yeah. This is the only episode of, of Murder, Um, He was on Taxi, Simon and Simon, Amanda's, which was a show um, that B. Arthur did before The Golden Girls, which is hilarious. You should like find it on YouTube. It's hilarious. He was on Days of Our Lives as Lieutenant Joe Brooke, Archie Bunker's Place, 
Alice, Heart to Heart, Revenge of the Stepper Wives, good movie. Eight is Enough, The Incredible Hawk, Rhoda, A Woman Called Moses, awesome. Was Cicely Tyson? Yes. Charlie's Angels, Kojak, An Appointment with Destiny in the Bob Newhart Show. And I think, okay, and then we have Philip Brown is definitely Willard, who we'll never see again. Um, he's still alive. He is known for Search for Tomorrow. That was a soap opera. Uh, the Doris Day Show, The Fitzpatrick's, and Knott's Landing. So he's a soap opera actor. His last known credit is Power Rangers Diego Thunder. Um, he was in The City, which was a spinoff of The Loving uh, show, The Soap Opera Loving, which he was also on that. He played Buck Houston, Step by Step, Knox Landing, Sisters, which was a soap opera as well. Madlock, The Cobies. I really would love to see The Cobies. Um, this is the only episode of Murray She Wrote. Search for Tomorrow, he played Steve Kendall from 1984 to 83. Love Boat, Deuce of Hazard. When the Whistle Blows, The Runaway, The Fitzpatrick's, David Castle Man Undercover, Special Olympics, Emergency. He played Billy Martin on The Doris Day Show. And Ben Casey was his first role in television. I've never heard of that. Um, but that's about, that's, that's it. That's all our guest stars. Alright, this ended up being a little bit longer because I had a lot to say about this episode, so I hope you enjoyed um, this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. It is a very problematic episode, and it's not one of my favorites, um, but we're halfway there. I'm almost done this episode 10 of season 2, so I'm almost done. I'm getting there. Um, I know that there's... Um, one of my favorite episodes that's coming up where the jury episode, um, Vicki Lawrence's last episode because she doesn't guest star anymore after that one. I don't know why. Um, and I pray for peace every night when my head hits the pillow before I go to sleep and I hope everybody stays cool and happy first day of summer. And again, happy belated Father's Day. Have a great day, night, depending on when you listen to this. Happy crime solving and I'll see you in the next one.